Turn with me, if you will, to Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5, verse 1. Let's begin reading verse 1. Listen to this message that I'm singing for you. A lament, house of Israel. She has fallen. Virgin Israel will never rise again. She lies abandoned on her land with no one to raise her up. For the Lord God says, the city that marches out 1,000 strong will have only 100 left. And the one that marches out a hundred strong will have only ten left in the house of Israel. For the Lord says to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel or go to Gilgal or journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into exile and Bethel will come to nothing. Seek Yahweh and live. Or he will spread like fire throughout the house of Joseph. It will consume everything with no one at Bethel to extinguish it. Those who turn to justice into wormwood throw righteousness to the ground. The one who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns the darkness into dawn and darkens day into night, who summons the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the earth, Yahweh is his name. He brings the destruction on the strong and it falls on the stronghold. They hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city's gate and despise the one who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you trample the poor and exact the grain tax from him, you will never live in the houses of cut stone you have built. You will never drink the wine from the lush vineyards you have planted. For I know your crimes are many and your sins are innumerable. They oppress the righteous, take a bribe, and deprive the poor of justice at the gates. Therefore, the wise person will keep silent at such a time, for the days are evil. Seek good and not evil, so that you may live. And the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, as you have claimed. Hate evil and love good. Establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, Yahweh, the God of hosts, the Lord says, there will be a wailing in all the public squares. They will cry out in anguish in all the streets. The farmer will call on to to mourn and professional mourners to wail. There will be wailing in all the vineyards, for I will pass among you. The Lord has spoken. What are you who long for the day of the Lord? What will the day of the Lord be for you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. He goes home and rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. Won't the day of the Lord be darkness rather than light? Even gloom without any brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. House of Israel, was it sacrifices and grain offerings that you presented me during the 40 years in the wilderness? 
But you have taken up Sekuth, your king, Kaiwan, your star god, images you have made for yourself. So I will send you into exile beyond Damascus. Yahweh, the God of hosts, is his name. He has spoken. So God brings a message of judgment here. You know, all of us have had those times in our life where we've been disciplined by God. If you're a child of God, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Uh, I can think of several cases. Uh, uh, One time I remember I had a a bad attitude toward a teacher uh, that I had. And God began to convict me about it. Not that I was doing anything horrible, but, you know, I just needed an attitude check. Have you ever been there? And some of you say, man, well, I have an attitude check with you, preacher, or <laughs> not. <laughs> but, uh, no, seriously, I, I had a problem, and God began to convict me about that and to deal with me. And finally, I just had to confess that to God and say, Lord, help me um, to show respect and uh, love for this teacher uh, that I don't like. And help me to, to treat her in the way that you would have me treat her. Um, <clears throat> The people of Israel had lost their way. And there are times in, in the Christian life where we lose our way, aren't there? Where we get a sidetracked from the things of God. And God calls us back. And, and you, you, you open this scripture that Amos is sharing, that this message from God that he's sharing, and it's actually a funeral dirge. I don't know, you probably don't have a funeral dirge on your iPod, do you? <laughs> or... At your, on your stereo at home, you probably don't put the funeral dirge record on there and listen to that as a regular part of your daily experience. But uh, in those times, mourning was a huge deal, and they would actually hire professional mourners to weep and to wail and make a big deal uh, at the time of the funeral. And uh, they would have songs that they would sing. And so, so uh, Amos comes singing this funeral dirge. Now, remember, this is a prosperous time. Jeroboam II is a powerful king. They're, they're prospering uh, in their economy. Uh, they're, they're having, from all intents and purposes, it looks like things are going well. But Amos is preaching a decidedly negative message. It sure isn't the feel-good stuff that oftentimes you see on TV. He's saying, look, you need to mourn and wail. And, and he is mourning, and he is singing this funeral dirge, and they're like, what's up with this? And so he's trying to get their attention, and, and the prophets all, often did things under God's direction to try to wake people up and help them see the situation that they were in. Judgment was about to fall. And so uh, God is still reaching out to his people, and he says, hey, it's like you're dead. Uh, you know, I've never had a dead person talk back to me at a funeral. Have you? Uh, they, they don't. They don't tend. They don't do anything. They're dead. Um, he says, "You're dead, Israel. You, you're spiritually dead. Yes, you go through your worship. You, you do your, your different things, but spiritually, there is no heart for me. Your heart is not longing after me. You're not seeking after me. But did you know?" Aside from the fact that that is where they were, God still reached out to them in love. Is that not a beautiful thing? He sent his prophet not just 
to pronounce a message of judgment, but he sent them, Amos as well as other prophets, to try to call the people of God back to him, to call them, to seek him. You and I need to seek God with all our heart. Uh, the time of my message tonight is reasons to seek God. Reasons to seek God. Why should we seek God? We should because, first of all, He is our life. He is our life. Jesus said, Believe in me, and there will be rivers of living water flowing from you up unto eternal life. He is our life. What does verse 4 says? The Lord says to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. I'm singing the funeral to her, James says. But this is God's message in spite of the fact that you are spiritually dead. Seek me and you will live. Isn't that the message of the empty tomb? We serve a Savior who has conquered death. And he says, I have come that you might have life. And that you might have it abundantly. I've come that you might have eternal life. And so um, he says, seek me and live. The seeking is the decision that that person makes to seek after God with all their heart. Uh, the, The living part is God's responsibility. God is saying, if you will seek me, then you will know what life is all about. You will experience the abundant life. You will have a relationship with me. You will have the blessings of the covenant upon your life. Seek me and live. Jesus went about and and telling people, he says, at one point, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Is that not a wonderful thing? Christian child of God, uh, when we are dead in trespasses and sin, if we'll seek Christ, if we'll come to God in faith and receive the gift of eternal life, we will be resurrected. But it doesn't stop there. Can I tell you that you and I are powerless in and of ourselves to live the Christian life? But we can be resurrected to live that Christian life. That new every morning. That grace, that mercy that's new every morning. uh, And the power that we get through the Holy Spirit that comes as we seek Him uh, on a regular basis. He resurrects us. Uh, um, Romans uses the word quicken. He says the Holy Spirit will quicken your mortal body so that you can live for God in the way that God desires you to live. Yes, I am unable to please the Lord in my actions, in my heart, in my thoughts, in in everything that I do. But when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God, He does that through me. And and His power quickens me so that I can have the, the power to choose to live for God. He quickens us. He revives us. Uh, when, when Sherry and I were living in, in, in uh, Wolf City, Texas, my first church I pastored, 
uh, our next door neighbor uh, fell down dead one night. It was a Sunday night. Uh, his little grandson ran over after church. We, we, we were over at our house, and he said, come, you know, pretty quickly, see if you can help. Uh, granddad has fallen down, and, and we, can't, we can't rouse him. And, and so we went, and we tried to, to do CPR on him and, and to help, you know, revive him, and we were unsuccessful. But can I tell you, even though we were unsuccessful, one day he will be raised because he knew the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. One day the trumpet's going to sound, and the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Why? Because Jesus will give that command. You remember what Jesus said to Lazarus? Lazarus, come forth. Somebody once said he had to say Lazarus or all the dead bodies would have come forth. Hey, that's his power. He is the God of the resurrection. Seek him because he is our life. He is what makes life worth living. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. What do you see? He says, Solomon says, boy, under the sun, boy, there's nothing good. I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried the other. Nothing satisfies. It's all vanity. But can I tell you something? Over the sun, there is something that satisfies. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't say Jesus Christ, but that's what he, God, you know. And, and, and we know, as a New Testament people of God, that Jesus Christ is the center of that. We seek him, and we enter into eternal life. And we have that life re- renewed. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, in, in John 17, 3, the scripture says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is knowing and being in relationship with God. And sometimes we're walking in the fullness of that, and other times we're not. We need to have that restored in our lives. And we do that through confessing our sin. We do that through asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit by drawing near to God. And he draws near to us, as the Scripture promises. But uh, it's a renewing of our lives on a day-to-day basis. So if you're talking to a lost person, yes, they need to come to Jesus Christ for life, but so do we. We need his renewing every day. Uh, we need that, that time with God that renews our spirit. We need to seek him because he is our life. Set aside that time each day uh, in, in prayer and Bible study so that you can have your spirit refreshed. Uh, come to be with God's people here at church because it refreshes your spirit and helps you uh, to walk in that life uh, that God desires for you to walk in. Uh, so seek Him. That's the first reason we ought to seek God. Seek Him because He is our life. Secondly, He is our everything. Look at verse 6. <clears throat> your translation may say, Seek the Lord with all capital letters. It's the uh, what they call the tetragrammaton. It's the, it's the uh, word, the, the Hebrew word for God uh, that God spoke to Moses. When he says, Moses, tell them that I am that I am has sent me uh, to you. Uh, the, the great I am, Yahweh, Jehovah, the great I am. He is our everything. What did the people of Israel need to hear when they were going to come up out of Egypt? Well, they had fears. First of all, what's going to happen to us if we try to leave Egypt? What's Pharaoh going to do? Uh, If we do get out, 
How are we going to survive? Who's going to provide for us? They had all these questions and all this anxiety and all this struggle going on. And, and so God sends Moses with this message. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. I am what you need. Just fill it in the blank. Uh, I am your protection from Pharaoh. I am your provision in the wilderness. I am your power to overcome the Canaanites. I am what you need to fulfill the purpose for which I created you. I am. There's no need I can't handle. There's no challenge too great. There's nothing that can tax my provision. I am the great I am. There's no one like me. That's what God's saying. Seek me. Seek the great I am. It's as though he is... He's looking at Israel and he's saying, Israel, don't you remember? Don't you remember how I carried you through the wilderness? Don't you remember how I provided your needs? Don't you remember how I led you into Canaan? How I helped you defeat the giants? Don't you remember how I supplied your needs when you called upon me in prayer? Seek me. Seek Yahweh and live. We need to seek him because he's our everything. Sometimes we can forget that. We are weak. He is strong. He's our everything. I, I was sitting over here thinking, God, I, I can't hardly even concentrate. How am I going to preach? And look at this. God's just, I'm going to tell you something. He is sufficient. Now, he is our life. He is our everything. Seek him. Go to him. Sometimes we go to others, and there's nothing wrong with going to others to get counsel. There's nothing wrong with, with um, using the resources that God's given us, but that's not where we need to go first. We need to go to God first. He's the great I am. And let him provide what we need. Seek him and live. Scripture says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Were they seeking God? Well, in a manner of speaking, they were. I mean, they were going through religious ritual, feasts, festivals. God says he says, keep them. I don't want them, you know. Uh, I don't want your festivals. I don't want your feasts. I don't, I'm, I'm tired of your songs. I, I don't like any of this stuff. Why? Because I, I can see through the surface to your heart. And so God is saying, okay, you're seeking me. But I'm asking you to seek me, okay? Don't just go through the motions. Seek me with all your heart. We need to seek him because he's our life. Seek him because he's our everything. That's one reason we ought to pray. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Uh, Jesus, Jesus encouraged us and set an example for us by spending regular time in prayer. Going all night. Can you imagine what it must have been like? Jesus had a grueling schedule. I don't know how he did it. He'd go from place to place and he'd preach and he'd minister and, and all these crowds thronging him all the time. Can, have you ever had one of those times where you, maybe it's a, a wedding, you know, and you're a major part of the wedding, uh, it's your family member, or maybe it's you being married, and and there's all this stuff going on, and and 
all these people you're interacting with and afterwards you're just exhausted. Can you imagine doing that every day? That's what Jesus did. I mean, he interacted with people all the time and, and he, he was um, just, just drained and he, that's why he was sleeping, I think, in the boat so soundly when all that storm was going on and the disciples were all worried because he was just exhausted from, from the work that he'd been doing. But despite all of that, Jesus took time to spend sometimes an entire night in prayer. I think Jesus thought it was important to seek the Lord. If our Savior needs to seek Him, so do we. He is our everything. He is our life. Why should we seek Him? He's our life. He's our everything. And finally, He's our righteousness. Look at verse 14. Seek good and not evil so that you may live, and the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. Now, he's been saying, seek, seek me, and you will live. Seek Yahweh, and you will live. Now he says, seek good and not evil, so that you may live. What's he saying? Well, he's saying, I want you to seek to do, do right, to do good, to do well. Um, this is the way to life. Obedience is the way to life. Now, we know that uh, in Deuteronomy, the Scripture says, do this and you will live. Had the Israelites been able to have perfect obedience to God, they would have had joy in their life. They would have had a relationship with God. But the fact is, there's a problem that every one of us has. It's called a sin nature. And what gets us in trouble. And so... We're all sinners. We can seek good and we can try to do well, but the fact is we all have a sin nature within us that pollutes it all. That's why God sent Jesus. Guess what? The Israelites never did respond completely rightly to this. God called them to a life of righteousness, but they just never seemed to measure up. And God says, okay, listen, I'll let you know where you are so that you can appreciate where I'm sending you. And he sent Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, never committed one sin, died in our place and rose again, and ascended to heaven. And he said, because I live, you also will live. Jeremiah says this of Israel. He says, he says Israel will be restored. And there'll be a time of peace, and there'll be a time of safety, and all of these things, the time of the Messiah. And he says, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness in two ways. He's our righteousness in the sense that he is our substitute. And he, he not only was our substitute for sin and took our sin upon himself, uh, paid the penalty for that, but he also is our substitute in living the Christian life. It's not that God doesn't want us to seek to live a good life, it's just that our life is imperfect. It's not up to God's standard. And so he gives us the credited righteousness of Christ. The Romans says he imputes it to us. He credits it to us so that when I come into the presence of God, 
I'm clothed in the spotless righteousness of Jesus. So, I can come before the throne of God boldly because I'm clothed in His righteousness. He's the Lord my righteousness. Someday when I get to heaven, God says, if He were to say this, Roger, watch it, I'll let you in. I'll say, one reason, one reason only. I have been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus. I am clothed in His righteousness. I'm worthy not because of myself, but because of His perfect worthiness. He is my Savior. He's the Lord of my righteousness. He's righteous for us as our substitute. But then He is also the Lord our righteousness in that He lives through us. He has sent the person of the Holy Spirit to live through us. Uh, John 15 says, uh, If you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is going to live through them. And how does he do that? He sends the Holy Spirit of God uh, when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence within us. And then as we submit to him and trust him um, and... and uh, ask for his filling, he lives through us the righteous life that God desires. Now, none of us are perfect in that. We tend to take over the driver's seat ourselves from time to time. Uh, and, and, but, but he is faithful to empower us to live the life that God meant us to live. And that, that has no bearing whatsoever on whether or not I get to heaven. But it has everything to do with living the abundant life. Because as I walk in obedience to God, I have his joy. I have his peace. I have his power. Uh, as I walk in, in obedience to the Lord, I begin to see and live the life that I was designed to live. Have you ever, have you ever um, had something maybe that was fixed and it was fixed in a way that Really, it wasn't ever designed to be fixed that way. And so it, it works, but it, it, it works just kind of by prayer, you know, and it, it kind, of, kind of stumbles along. I've fixed some things that way before. Um, <clears throat> but it's not the way it was designed to run. And then there have been a couple of times that I've fixed it temporarily like that, and then I've gone back and fixed it the right way. And wow, the difference in the way it runs. Some people never realize the life that God meant for them to live because they never realize a life of obedience. The Holy Spirit of God has been given to us. He is the Lord our righteousness. He does the ministry of Jesus in us so that we can live that life of righteousness God desires and walk in obedience to him and have the fullness of life that God designed us for. That's a great reason to seek him, because he's the Lord of righteousness. Um, spend that time with him every day. Learn his word. Ask God to teach you how to walk in the spirit. Um, seek his face. Develop that relationship with him. Um, spend that time in those small groups in Sunday school and so forth, and where you can be encouraged and hear from other believers, uh, so that God can do his work in you. And you can experience this victory uh, that God intends for you. He is the Lord, 
our righteousness. There are the reasons to seek God. Number one, he is our life. Number two, he is our everything. And number three, he is our righteousness. No matter how hopeless it may seem, no matter the circumstances that we face, God has given us an option to have joy and to have victory. And it's the relationship with him. I wonder sometimes uh, when these different prophets are speaking, who was alive during that time and heard that message and responded in a positive way? We know the majority didn't respond right, but we know that some did because we have, we have uh, the account of the captivity and, and we know that there were the Ezekiels who went into captivity but were serving God in captivity. We know of Daniel. We know of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that there are those who listened and who said, Yes, I will seek the Lord. And it made all the difference. Can I tell you, I'd rather have been Daniel in captivity than to be one of these folks here in a, in a, as a nation of prosperity for the time being, but away from God. Seek Him. He is our life. He is our everything. He is our righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for reaching out to us, though oftentimes we don't deserve it, God. We can never merit your love. But you're a God of grace, and you seek us, and you reach out to us. Father, thank you for your great, amazing, awesome, powerful love. Give us grace to seek you, Father. Help us to be persistent in it. And as we seek you in personal quiet time, as we seek you uh, by coming to your, your church and, and, and meeting with other believers, Lord, and as we do these things, Lord, grow us, draw us near to you. As we know you promised, as we draw near to you,